right now we're hoping to shift the conversation to look at how can women in the industry really support that next generation of trailblazers? What does that look like? What do emerging leaders coming into the industry need from their allies and it doesn't have to just be women it's everyone amanda capito is among the new faces that have joined the radio trailblazers the organization recognizing women who've blazed new trails in radio for almost 20 years as it issues its call for nominations for the rosalie award annually handed out during canadian music week Capito, the founder of Lead Podcasting and the former director of Talk and Talent at 640 Toronto, joins Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, to talk about the next generation of trailblazers and share some of her podcast predictions for the coming year. Hi, my name is Amanda Capito. I'm the founder and CEO of Lead Podcasting, which is a podcast production company based in Toronto that creates branded podcasts for thought leaders and organizations. But I have an extensive background in radio. I started off at News Talk 1010 CFRB as a producer and reporter and news anchor. I also had a brief stint in North Bay with Vista Radio at the Moose. And since then, I've moved on to communications roles in the corporate and nonprofit sector. I have gone back to radio to work with Chorus at AM640 Toronto as the program director. And I'm also proud to be teaching previously at Toronto Metropolitan University, formerly Ryerson, and also Seneca's journalism program, where both of those institutions and some others have used my book as a course book, Let's Talk Podcasting, The Essential Guide to Doing It Right. So I'm the author of that book, came out in 2018, but is still being used to this day. The reason we're talking today, Amanda, is because you're one of the new faces on the Radio Trailblazers Committee. Do you want to talk about the Trailblazers and being one of the next generation of women to get on board with this organization? I am so excited to be part of this committee. I have been following their work and attending the Rosalie Tremblay Award ceremonies since I started in radio, and I've always had such a great respect for what the committee does and the importance of it in our industry. And so right now, I'm happy to be a committee member and helping to spearhead some of their initiatives around the call for nominations for the Rosalie Tremblay Award, which I could talk more about, and helping out with their CMW Canadian Music Week panel that's upcoming in June. So most people listening will be familiar with the Rosalie Tremblay Award, which recognizes a radio trailblazer in memory of the legendary CKLW Windsor Music Director. What kind of nominees are you looking for? So this year, we've actually slightly tweaked the criteria. So I'm excited to share this. Um, It's not that far of a departure from what we've been looking for in the past. But we're looking at five key areas from women in the industry. And that is career success, leadership, innovation, that's the new one, uh, the spirit, their spirit of generosity, and mentorship. And so right now we are putting out our call for nominations and asking for you to put forward names of women who you think have made some great leaps and bounds and blazed some trails in those areas. And so 
we are looking for you to submit who you think might be great for consideration for this year. Last year, we were happy to award May Potts, um, who's been a friend of the Radio Trailblazer community for many, many years. Um, so it was really nice to see her being awarded. So this year, if you have someone in mind that you think would be a great nominee, please do submit. I know that the broadcast dialogue will be sharing out that link, but we do have a tiny URL. So you could go to tinyurl.com slash Rosalie Award, R-O-S-A-L-I-E Award, and submit your nomination today. The deadline is February 23rd. So we are hoping that you can circulate that. So even if it's not you, but someone you know who wants to submit a nomination, please do so. I think there are probably some people who question whether there's still a need for an organization like Radio Trailblazers. Are there still women blazing new trails in radio? It's a great question, and it's something that we are constantly talking about and evaluating. And so I think there is still a need. Right now, we still know that a lot of the numbers dictate and indicate that there is still a minority of women, especially in some of those higher leadership roles. And of course, just be there's there's never one moment where we're going to be like check mark the problem is solved we've reached optimal equity you know it's it's going to be an ongoing process and so even though i think there has been leaps and bounds i do think it's important to continue the conversation and keep this kind of lens on the industry really front and center and so as we continue to evolve, the organization itself and the committee is looking to expand and maybe even shift in being able to really reach out in areas that we think there is a need for these kinds of conversations and for this kind of diversity. And so, you know, even me being involved right now, I purely work um, not in radio, but in the podcast and audio space. And so I think previously I, I would have put a question mark on whether or not I belonged on the committee, um, but I was happy to see that I was welcomed with open arms. And there is a lot of talk on how we can be expanding our work and our initiatives to audio industries beyond just traditional radio. You'll be moderating a panel at Radio Days North America for the Trailblazers. Do you want to give us a preview of what you'll be talking about there in June? I would love to. I'm so excited about this. The panel is called Redefining the Next Generation of Trailblazers, which is in line with everything we're talking about right now. And so we are going to be having a really in-depth discussion about what that new era of trailblazers looks like. And so I think for a long while, the conversation was about sharing some of best practices, how to break in, what other women have had to do to blaze this trail that we have. But right now, we're hoping to shift the conversation to look at how can women in the industry really support that next generation of trailblazers? What does that look like? What do emerging leaders coming into the industry need from their allies? And it doesn't have to just be women. It's everyone, right? Um, and so we're wanting to have a dialogue between some of the women that have been in the industry and been around the block and seen it all, but also lifting the voices of women who are just coming into the industry and truly listening. And I think that's important is having this two-way dialogue about what is needed in this um, upcoming wave of people coming in and emerging or wanting to get into the industry. And one example um, that I like to bring to the table 
as I have discussions about what that looks like, even within my own world, um, is with lead podcasting. And when I was launching the business, I grew really quickly. We launched in 2020. And within six months, I was ready to hire my first full-time employee. And so at the time, I was teaching at Toronto Metropolitan University. And so I went at, reached out to one of my brightest students who was looking to pursue a career in audio. And I said, look, I got a job for you, full-time podcasting with lead podcasting. Like, come on board. What do you think? And she was like, respectfully, no. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, when I was graduating from university, I also went to TMU for journalism. You know, that was the dream. I wanted a full-time gig in the medium that I was most passionate about, audio. And so I was just so taken aback by that response. And I was keen to hear why. And it seems like the answer that I'm getting from a lot of my students right now is that they're really passionate about the industry, but they really see it as as project-based. And they're very excited about the gig economy. And so this producer in particular still works with me, but not full-time. She is one of my freelancers, one of my contractors that's tied to specific projects. And I work with her seasonally. She comes back every time that the podcast does a new season. Um, and we have a great working relationship. And I'm you know, so fortunate to have um, someone like her on my team. But I actually had to build my business differently. I was getting ready to scale with full-time roles um, and had all my HR paperwork lined up for that and contracts drawn up for that. And I had to go back to the drawing board and go, all right, how can I recruit the best talent and what is it that they're looking for? And so now Lead Podcasting definitely has their core team and that my core employees who are on payroll, but most of the people that work with me are freelancers and contractors. And that's how I was able to attract and retain some of the best talent was being able to really meet them where they're at. And although from a business perspective, it was not how I imagined I'd grow a company and also thinking about it from a leadership perspective, how do you grow a company culture and, you know, uh, bring together a team when so many people might be working in, in smaller capacities. But it's been a really interesting challenge for me as a leader. And I'm so proud of how my team has grown now. And, um, and the roster that we have is, is so impressive. And I think that's because I was able to take that listening position and adjust how I, how I was offering opportunities. Does Gen Z also have a different idea of how they should be supported? Well, I would say most definitely. The answer is yes. Unfortunately, though, I don't have all of those answers right now. And that's what the panel is aiming to uncover. What are those supports that they're looking for? What do they see as something that would be really enticing from a, a hiring manager or an organization? And I think we're all trying to navigate this right now, not just in the radio industry, but in industries um, across the board, right? So I do think that that's part of what we're hoping to uncover and get deeper into specifically what do people in our industry look for and how can hiring managers position their roles and their organizations in a way that is attracting that top talent coming in because I know it's tough to hire. Um, I, I've been on the other side of it in looking for great candidates and struggling, right? And so um, we're trying to really position this panel, we're hoping is not only lifting the voices of this new generation, which I think is so important, um, but also equipping people to be able to come alongside and 
hopefully recruit in a more thoughtful way that is going to really target some of these newcomers and who are trying to break in or wanting to break into the industry. So I want to tap into your podcasting knowledge. It was a really interesting close to 2023 with a lot of layoffs, especially in the audio streaming sector. Do you have any podcast predictions for 2024? Definitely. I'll first comment on some of these headlines and some of that news that was coming out at the end of last year. And I wrote a whole newsletter about this through the Lead Podcasting newsletter. But essentially, and maybe I'm an optimist, but when I take stock of everything that's happening, and yes, we're seeing layoffs, massive layoffs at Spotify, Pushkin Industries, which is Malcolm Gladwell's production house, massive layoffs, and a lot of these came as a shock to people. But really, if, if you zoom out even further and you look at the growth of the industry in the last couple of years, um, when I present on the trajectory of podcasting and when I'm conducting workshops, I always have noted that around 2019, we started getting into an acquisition frenzy is what I refer to it. And 2019 to 2021, those three years, it was like every day I opened up my newsletters and I was seeing a new acquisition. And so what happened was all of these podcast production companies, Spotify, Amazon, they were trying to be the front runners in the space. And so they started buying up whatever they could. This included shows. This included software, expanding their teams, recruiting some of the best of the best. And I think they grew very rapidly, knowing, knowing from the beginning that this wasn't necessarily sustainable growth. This was a big jump and they were going to try a bunch of stuff. And like any great growing industry or organization, you fail hard, you fail fast and you adjust. You see what's working and you stick with it and you build upon that. And so I think it was just that the pendulum had swung. So much investment went into some of these big acquisitions. Now it's just a right sizing. So of course, there's going to have to be some adjustments made. And, and ultimately, I think it's a good thing because it's going to help level out the industry, allow for more predictable, sustainable growth. Um, but what we do know the facts are people are still listening. You're listening right now to this podcast, right? So listenership continues to grow year over year. Ad dollars continues to grow year over year in podcasting. And so I have no doubt that the industry is primed for continued growth. And this was just a right sizing that happened. So that's just to put a little bow on what happened in 2023. And hopefully it's not feeling like an apocalypse uh, for those working in the industry or following the industry. As far as trends looking ahead, for lead podcasting, one area that I have been especially paying attention to is this trend of internal podcasting. And so we've had a bunch of clients come through wanting to make podcasts that are not public facing. And so with this obviously comes, it's tough to track. <laughs> it's tough to track this trend. And it does tend to happen very anecdotally and amongst industry professionals. But these are podcasts that organizations are making as a tool for employee engagement or for building trust and in their leadership and highlighting their executives in an authentic way. And so a lot of us will be familiar with those mass company emails from a CEO or a C-suite executive, and maybe they're going to do a little video at some point that you can watch. But with a lot of screen fatigue, which I think people are still not over following the pandemic, people are turning to podcasts as their preferred way of communicating and engaging with media. And so with that, 
comes the shift with how internal communications is happening. And so we have a lot of platforms that are offering private RSS feeds and companies that are wanting to make shows that are specifically for their community, their audience, and they are trying to reach them in the way that they want to be spoken to, right? And maybe if that CEO sent out a podcast episode rather than a mass email, there might be some more engagement and more clicks. And so that's what is really exciting for me is this whole new bucket of production. And we previously created internal podcasts for Sleeman Breweries. We're in midst of production for one with World Vision International. So we're seeing some real great organizations committing to this form um, and to this medium. And so for me, that's a whole other area of growth that um, isn't really talked about a lot. And I'm excited to, to continue to help foster. I feel like there's such a huge volume of information and data coming out of the podcast world. And I wonder if there are any sort of persistent misconceptions that you see that are an irritant for you, Amanda. I have a, I do have a couple pet peeves. I think probably in general, the first thing that comes to my mind is anyone who's relying on data that is not able to be applicable across all shows all geographies. So for instance, people who say, oh, well, I've seen the research and Wednesdays are the best day to release podcast episodes, that kind of data, I get annoyed because I'm like, how do you know that Wednesdays are the best? Who is that? Who are you talking about? Is that for which country? What kind of listener? Who are you trying to attract? What age? Like, I think coming, trying to, to correlate data around a day of the week to me, sure, I'm sure you could pull some numbers and come to some conclusions around this, but there's going to be so many variables that the data will always be skewed. And so when I'm building new shows, one of the big things I like to say to the people I'm working with is, why don't we forget what you read on all those blogs and just zero in on who is your target audience and what day, what is their day, what are their days like, what are their weeks like, and then what day does it make sense for this podcast to come out? And so we end up building strategic release schedules based on target audiences, which if you look at any, you know, strategic comms or marketing plan, that's how you would approach things. And so really trying to ground some of those tactics in in that mindset rather than looking at some of this quote unquote data that is going to tell you to do it at a certain day at a certain time. And um, it's just might not be applicable to the audience you're trying to reach. I don't want to put you on the spot, Amanda, but I'm going to. What are you listening to right now? And do you have <laughs> do you have any recos? And and you know if they're Canadian, even better. Okay, well I'm opening up my podcast app right now. So literally today, I'm a bit late to this podcast, but I was listening to Scamanda. It's like Scamanda, and um, funny that it's my own name, but. I've just listened to episode one. So this is about a woman who was a blogger claiming that she had cancer and raised all sorts of money. And I mean, I haven't heard the release yet, but I'm assuming it was all a scam. And so that's one. And another one that I, I just binged to at the start of this year. And, and I get some of these recommendations on some of the year end top, top lists of 2023. And so I got both of these three recommendations. One of them was called The Girlfriends, which was a true crime podcast ish about a, yeah, I mean, I would call it true crime around a man 
who was who dated all of these girlfriends, but he was, and this isn't a big spoiler, they say at the beginning, he was a murderer. So um that was one. And I just thought in particular, that one was very well done from a sensitivity perspective. Some of these true crime shows I have a bone to pick with because they're just so insensitive to the families that actually had to deal with this trauma. But in this case, they actually recruited one of the women who dated this man to be the host and like coached her. And you could tell she's not a professional, but she was so endearing. And they were really sensitive to the families that were impacted. And so I just thought from that perspective, I have a lot of respect for the production there. And the other one was called Ghost Story. And so this one is from Wondery and Pineapple Street Studios. And it's journal a journalist who is digging into his wife's family history. And so there's some drama with that, which is just funny and really well played within the, the show. But they're trying to unearth, you know, this potential ghost that's been looming in a family home and some history around uh, a great grandmother that was killed. And she was apparently killed by her brother, but they're basically unearthing that to see if indeed that was who was the killer. It sounds like I'm a big true crime fan based on what I'm saying, but I'm really not. I just found those were kind of offshoots from the traditional true crime that were really well done. So I could go on and on, but I will, I'll leave it there. I think uh, three's <laughs> enough. Is there a thought you want to close on, Amanda? I'm just so happy to be joining you. So thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm obsessed with podcasts, obviously. I'll do one more shout out for the Radio Trailblazers. I'm so excited to be at CMW. So we hope to see you out there for our panel, Redefining the Next Generation of Trailblazers. Um, and of course, really looking for those nominations for Stellar Women in the Industry and going to tinyurl.com slash Rosalie Award for those nominations and submitting that before February 23rd. And we'll also post that link in the show notes and at broadcastdialogue.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. Thank you, Connie. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.